The Knowledge Panel, episode number seven, SEO for affiliate niche sites. The Knowledge Panel Show is brought to you by Inlinks, the entity-based SEO platform that helps you rank higher and stay ranked longer thanks to its advanced content optimization tools. Try Inlinks for free over at inlinks.net. Hi there, I'm your host David Bain, and um, replacing Dixon on a temporary basis. But Dixon, you're still um, you're still here, sir. I'm still. I am. I am. Yeah. I, I'm. Uh, I'm in the room. Uh, I'm actually out of bed now. It says I'm from a recovery bed, but uh, they've they've let me get onto crutches. I had a had a phone phone call with the physio today, and the physio said, "I'm sorry, you're going to have to come into this COVID-infested hospital to have a check over because I can't work out whether I'm allowed to walk again or not." But yeah, it's been about it's been six weeks since I had a bike accident and broke a pelvis, so it's a bit of a pain, really. Made a mess of Christmas, but you know, good time to do it though, because you know I was locked down anyway. So you know, what else was I going to do? Eh? Well, you're looking, you're looking but, better. Yeah, as a result of that, I, you know, I've I've been on drugs and goodness knows what. So uh, I'm really grateful to you, David, for um for running the show and letting me just you know not make a mess of it and just I'll just bail off, bail out now and just leave you guys on, you know, to do the show. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on and saying hello, Dixon. Great to see you um, starting to recover there. And um, uh, Dixon's going to be back um, next month's episode. I'm hosting that one in four weeks today. Um, so we'll tell you a little bit about that towards the end of this particular episode. Um, but um, thanks again, Dixon. Of course, we've got three great guests joining me today. Um, you see them on the screen if you're watching the video live. But uh, before we get to them, we're going to be talking about uh, affiliate marketing today, of course. Um, I'd like to first of all introduce you to a lady who's heading up the launch of the new InLinks affiliate program. Hello, Red Barrington. Hi, Red. Hi. So, um, Hi, it's lovely to be here. Yeah, great to, to, to have you um, on here as well. So um, obviously, InLinks has, um, has launched its own uh, affiliate program. And um, this is something that um, you're going to be um, um, heading up. Um, so what's it all about? And, and I guess who should be signing up for it? Well, um, it's very exciting times. We've relaunched the affiliate program with InLinks. And there's a great opportunity to for, for those who are already using perhaps the service, know a bit about it, love the product, but enjoying utilizing the product. And now's the opportunity, obviously, to share with clients or their audiences. Uh, and we've got two different types of affiliate programs depending on the you know what you fancy um, going for there's one that where you can gain money back straight away with our promoter program depending on what your audience or clients perhaps are uh, interested in um, you can gain some some money back based upon what they what the bill comes in from them or we've also got a customer kickback program which is fantastic if you really love the inlinks uh, product, your heavy usage of it means that you never have to basically pay for it based upon obviously the amount of referrals you get. So my role now at InLinks is to really grow this affiliate program and help the affiliates get with the content or perhaps the resources that they might need um, to really help with their referrals. So I'm always on hand. I'm on affiliates at InLinks.net. So do get in touch with me. i um, really love to speak to you all and see how we can boost those referrals from your clients or audience. Superb. Um, so you, you mentioned in links.net. Is there a link directly on the website that people can just, just go to and, and sign up for that? Yep. It's actually was featured this week in the newsletter. And it's also on uh, the website as well. Uh, there's a whole detail of how to sign up on the website. Superb stuff. Well, um, great to hear from you, Red. And um, we may hear from you 
later on. We'll, we'll, we'll see, but yeah. um, we'll have you hovering in the background in the meantime. And um, Yeah, so if there's any questions, pop them into the chat area. I'm happy to answer those as well. Sounds great. Sounds great. Well, let's introduce you to the three main panellists for today's discussion. So first up is a lady who's been in the SEO game since 2012. She's taken websites from ground level to sold for six figures and is the founder of SEO service, um, SERP Decoder. Welcome, Julie Adams. Hi. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Give me a pretty good intro uh, there. Like you said, I've been doing SEO since about 2012. I worked originally at an agency and now I'm doing affiliate full time. Pretty good. Could be improved, but pretty good. Okay, <laughs> good to have you here, Julie. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, next up is a lady who loves to get her hands on a new site, audit it, and find its riddles and then fix it. She's the founder of Clever Touch Marketing. Welcome, Jenny Abu. Abu Obayaya. <laughs> I told you I was going to muck it up. I tried my best, Jenny. <laughs> no problem. Go on, please tell me what it should be. Yeah, it's Jenny Abu Obaya. Uh, and as David said, I'm the founder of Clever Touch Marketing. So uh, we are an SEO agency based in Egypt that deals just with affiliate niche sites. So we build them for clients, we fix ones that are going wrong, uh, and we help them build out portfolios. Great to have you on, but you're not getting back on until you change your name. So um, thanks again, Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up is a gentleman who um, may just do something unexpected with your domain if you don't remember to renew it. He's the founder of Craig Campbell SEO. Welcome, Craig Campbell. Thank you, David. Um, pleasure to be here. Uh, been, a, been a while since we've been on a webinar together, so looking forward to today. Absolutely, I'm sure it'll be great. Um, you're um, you're famous on the um, the live streaming world, so um, good good to have you on here, and I'm sure we'll do do more in the future as well. So um, we're talking about affiliate marketing today, of course, in relation to SEO. Uh, we've got three great experienced panelists in that area here. Um, so maybe let's go back to Julie initially. There, um, Julie, uh, I mentioned. 2012 um, in the intro about you in terms of your involvement in the SEO space. How has affiliate marketing in relation to SEO changed over the last few years? Oh my gosh, it's night and day. So before 2012, it was, you know, the Wild West. I consider 2012, 2013, where it started getting a little bit cleaner. Um, but back in the day, back when I started, it was a lot of, you know, spun content and, you know, links that were generated by robots and stuff. And uh, now it's a little bit more about quality. A bit about quality. Okay, so I remember affiliate marketing in the Wild West, as you, as you say then. Mm -hmm. I was in, kind of dabbled in it briefly, probably about 2007, something like that. So um, mm -hmm. um, those are the Wild West days. Um, Craig, you've been involved in um, the SEO space for um, even longer than that. Um, uh, when did you get started in affiliate marketing? Um, probably round about the same time as Julie, probably. Um, I used to um, mess around with rank and rent and, you know, when exact match domain names and everything ranked really well with, you know, one page of content and whatnot. So I used to do a lot of that. Um, and then obviously round about 2012, 2013, the, the Panda and Penguin updates came out and things were starting to be cleaned up. Things weren't mm -hmm. so much. It went easy. Um, so that kind of impacted my business model slightly in terms of, um, you know, the rank and rent model, which I, I found decent. Um, and that's when I kind of turned more towards affiliate marketing. Okay, great. And um, Jenny, um, you've been involved in it a little bit more recently, but what was it about this side of SEO that particularly appealed to you? 
Um, I think basically, I mean, I started out um, on the content side and I was specifically writing content for uh, affiliate niche sites. And it felt like a kind of natural transition from kind of just the content in the, the SEO side. Um, and I, I think I've always been the kind of person anyway that, um, you know, I like to kind of stay niche specific. So, uh, you know, working with one thing rather than trying to spread yourself too thin. But also, I think from working on a client side, um, I've always much preferred working on affiliate anyway, because most of the clients that already have, you know, an idea about SEO and even if they you know, don't necessarily have what the need to take the site to that kind of next level, they have an understanding of, you know, what they should be doing and how long it takes where I could never really think of working in other areas of SEO where, you know, you've got clients kind of banging down your door after a day, like what's happening <laughs> and this kind of thing. So I always felt like uh, affiliate was was uh, a good way when working with clients to kind of, it makes the project go a lot easier, you know, when there's a mutual understanding and they can, you know, they can appreciate the results that they're seeing even when they're on the smaller scale, if it's, you know, over a short period of time. So that was kind of the thing that attracted us to it mainly. Great. Okay. Um, so you mentioned niche sites is there uh, and we'll also dive into whether it's the right thing to do just to focus in on a specific niche or maybe cover yourself and actually work across multiple different verticals. Um, but just before we do that, maybe let's talk about um, some areas that, um, that that used to work really well, but perhaps aren't good opportunities nowadays, perhaps because of Google changing its algorithm or um, other things happening to them. Um, Julie, I see you're nodding your head just slightly there. Mm -hmm. uh, other niches that you have been involved in that were particularly successful in the past, but you wouldn't really advise people getting into them nowadays? Uh, anything at Amazon. So back in 2017, Amazon had their first big commission cut where they went from essentially paying commission on volume and they changed it to flat fees across the board. And if you were pushing, you know, 30,000 sales a month, you got your commissions cut in half. Now they did that again in March of 2020. So now things went from like 8% to 3%. So it's not necessarily a singular niche. It's just working with Amazon in general. They're trending down and down and down. Okay, and um, you're nodding a bit there as well, Craig. Um, is, is it not the case where maybe there are certain types of products on Amazon that are still worthwhile being in the market for? Or is Amazon as a whole probably worthwhile steering away from and looking for other opportunities apart from that? For me, I think Amazon, I would try and advise people to stay clear of it now, uh, mainly because the commissions are so low now that, you know, for me, when I invest in content uh, or invest in links and everything else, you know, I'm, I'm outsourcing a lot of the grunt work, so to speak. So it's just not feasible at all now with the current commission structure. And, um, it's, you know, after that 2020 update where they'd done it, I basically sold off all of the Amazon websites that I had. Um, it just, I mean, it was barely making money. Um, it was like decent profits. I was trying to grow and grow and scale. Um, but a lot of that work was outsourced. So trying to do that, unless you're, you know, just wanting like, you know, 500 bucks a month and it's your holiday fund and you've maybe got an enthusiasm for, you know, golf equipment or whatever it might be, then of course you can do that. But for me, I was wanting to scale it, you know, from 1,000 to 5,000 to 10,000 to then flipping it on. And I just think that it's it's just too much um the commission is just too low now. And one of the big things I do now, 
with Amazon websites. I will still buy Amazon websites, but just change the monetization model of them, mm-hmm. take them away from Amazon, and basically by simply buying a lazy Amazon affiliates website, changing the monetization model over, you can basically double the revenue overnight. And that means basically if you paid 20 grand for that website, by just doing that and implementing those changes, you you know you've doubled the, the value of your website overnight. So that is essentially what I would be doing if I had my hands on an Amazon website. So Craig, you talk about changing the monetization model. Does that mean simply look for um kind of third party sellers that are offering a higher commission rate for the same products? Yeah, so I had the golf website and I think I get slashed to three percent on Amazon um mm. with the twenty twenty update. Now I could have easily flipped it over and got ten percent from an American golf company. So just by flipping that over and sending all the traffic there is really important. But what you're doing, what really works well with Amazon is that, you know, they, they're really quick at delivery and everything else and they're a trusted source. So certain instances, some of these private affiliates don't deliver that quickly. Um, I think that's changing in general. I think a lot of people are trying to get next day or, or within a couple of days, which is going to help your conversions but that's the only downside to it that you know not everyone is going to go through a private affiliate and you know in terms of buying and whatnot and people do trust amazon but the commissions are too low now for for me to be investing in them to to be honest so you mentioned there that uh craig that amazon you know have that trusted brand and and people are probably a little bit more likely to purchase from them um are you able to share a little bit about the expected um, percentage conversion rate drop-off if you go from Amazon to another third-party site that actually may not be a brand that's recognisable? I mean, I think you can you can fully expect to get up to 50% drop-off any time that I've done it. Um, you know, it, it depends on the niche, though, and uh, the type of product you're selling. Um, but, you know, certainly for the golf website that I um, sold on, um, I got a 50% reduction in, uh, in the, the, the volume of orders. However, I was still making the same money. And I think over time, I just get fed up and peed off and I end up selling a website to, to a guy. But, uh, you know, I think you can expect to have a, a, a bit of a reduction because people are just instantly, when I go onto something, see if I can't get it next working day, um, you know, on a website, I'm on to Amazon you know, mm-hmm. with Clayton, trying to get it delivered the next day, just for certain things. You know, if it was was a laptop or something more expensive, a high-ticket item, I'm prepared to wait a little bit longer. But most Amazon affiliate websites, people just want, quick, you know, the stuff quickly. Okay, so some great live chat there as well. Um, we've got um, um, someone saying that Julie needs to share her perspective. Absolutely, <laughs> you need to share your perspective as, now, as, as well. Julie, Julie are you, um, have you been heavily involved with Amazon or do you try and steer clear of that now? So I think that Amazon, like Craig was saying, the commissions are super, super low, but there is a big value in that conversion rate. So like Craig was saying, Amazon may convert 8%, whereas the manufacturer may convert 3%. So I actually use Amazon on all of my sites, but not to make a ton of money off of it. I actually use it in the beginning in order to get sales data so that when I go to manufacturers, I'm not just saying, hey, I have a 100,000 visitors a month, I can say, hey, I have 100,000 visitors a month and I'm making these sales. So I kind of use it as a bargaining chip when I start talking to people, kind of piggybacking off of Amazon's really, really high conversion rates. Great tip. Uh, Jenny, I see you nodding away there as well. Is that something you've been involved with as well? 
Yeah, because I mean, most of the kind of clients that we work with um, are coming to us after, you know, they've just kind of done a course or something like this, learning how to build an affiliate site. So most of the the people we work with um, for a lot of the time are just building those brand new sites. So obviously in terms of when it comes to a brand new site, obviously Amazon is usually the first thing that they would go with just because obviously aside from the fact that for the the client themselves like obviously if you're building a site and you don't have that much experience if it's your first site for example amazon's you know it's easy to get into um and then also the same as like julie was saying it's given you a chance to kind of uh build up that kind of reputation for your site as well because obviously if you're wanting to reach out to other affiliate programs and things like this a lot of time people get turned down obviously if they're quite a new site and they've got nothing to show that their site is converting and stuff like this so that's that's something that we work with a lot so in the beginning obviously um most of the sites are kind of based around amazon and then with the kind of long-term plan of changing over to something else or even changing away from kind of affiliate altogether and moving into maybe digital products or something like this you know so we're streaming live on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter as well. We've got de- uh, loads of comments coming in from different places. We've got uh, Darren saying on, on YouTube, what about investments, financial services? Um, Jenny, you, you, you mentioned niche type services, niche type um, sites uh, to, to focus in on. Have you tried financial services in the past? Yeah, um, it's a, it's something that uh, we've we've done quite a few actually um, in kind of different areas. It's, it's one of those things where it's, it's better to have someone who's kind of experienced just because of the niche because it's one of the more kind of difficult niches to get into um so so yeah i mean it's it's not that it can't work and you can't make money and things like that i mean we'll have people doing all kinds of things in the financial space from uh you know things like uh, reviewing um you know like your digital banks like revolut and things like this all of these kind of different areas but again because it's it's a more difficult niche to get into um they're kind of few and far between and usually left for the the more experienced kind of uh, affiliate site owners julie have you found yourself um just focusing in on on one niche or do you try do you tend to recommend that people do that nowadays or is it better to actually have feet in multiple camps Uh, Definitely good to have feet in multiple camps for a couple of different reasons. One, you obviously want to always diversify. Um, Even if you're in a niche that is very secure, you never know what's going to happen. You know, COVID happened. Entire niches just got obliterated because of something you couldn't predict. Um, And then also, if if you're only in one niche and you want to go to sell a site, a lot of times there's non-competes. So if you don't have some sort of diversification, you're not really allowed to sell websites uh, with a lot of brokers. So definitely diversify, but stick, you know, to what you know. So you can uh, do the best there. Great. Okay. So I'm going to get Craig's thoughts on that just now as well. But just after that, um, let's move on to driving traffic. So your your thoughts on driving traffic through organic search and perhaps other ways of driving traffic to affiliate sites as well. Um, So Craig, what are your thoughts on niche sites? Is it important to actually just focus on one niche? Maybe would you recommend two or three different niches or or as many as possible? I think, you know, I've got to to just um, echo what Julie says that, you know, having your your feet in a few different niches is is probably the most sensible way to go forward, especially if you're going to be flipping websites on. But also, um, I, I think you know it's good. You get bored if you were going to keep doing the same niche. You've got 
kind of boredom going on as well. So just to learn new things, new products, new you know search terms and things like that, just keep your brain as the SEO guy active. And mm -hmm. I think that's also quite important. But you know, I, I think I'm always looking at new niches. I'm looking for, you know, there's so many niches out there. Like I've had, and I've got friends that have ranked really well in the anal bleaching cream niche, and that was the only website that they they had. You know, the most bizarre um, things really can sell well, and uh, I think you're always just looking for new niches, trying to jump on something that you you can take advantage of. And there's so many untapped markets out there that uh, you know that, that you have to. You have, it's just you've got to do it, Craig. Amon says in the chat, as a rule of thumb, niche affiliate sites are much better focusing on services and contracts over physical products. Is that something that um, you'd agree with from your from your experience as well? Um, I mean, yeah, um, niche. I mean, I'm I'm not one for for being that niche with a website. Um, you know, I, I think you know they they are better focusing on services uh, and contracts rather than physical products. When it comes to physical products. You know, it, it starts to broaden out and, uh, you know, your website can be about multiple different things. So um, niche websites, you know, like, a, I don't know, like plumbing accessories or something like that, you know, can probably do really well. And, uh, you know, and, you know, you would focus it only on that because something like, you know, kitchen accessories are just not going to be that relevant. So, um yeah, I, I would tend to agree with what, what I'm on saying, uh, what, what he's saying there. But it really depends, you know, everyone's got a different opinion on that. There's no set right way um, to, to know, set up a website and, uh, yeah. I remember a long time ago, you talk, talk about kitchens there. I actually um, had a website that focused on home remodeling a, a long time ago. And I and I did quite well through um, getting commissions um, for each um, quote that people would um, would send off for different um, home remodeling. Um, but... Um, it was it was a long time ago, and because it was a long time ago, you used to be able to do things like um, sell links from um, PR of a certain authority on your site, and I and I ended up earning a lot more revenue through that instead of actually the affiliate marketing. So I didn't focus in on the affiliate marketing so much. Of course, the um, the ability to sell sell links went <laughs> wham downhill. So um, uh, that's the, I guess why why I didn't focus on it so much there. Um, Let's move on to driving traffic. Um, is it still the case then um, where you rely on Google or you can rely on Google for, for, for much of your traffic to many of your niche sites, Julie? Yeah, so my strength has and always uh, probably will be SEO, but the nature of that, you know, you're kind of at Google's beck and call for whatever reason. If they decide they don't like your website, they can just knock you uh, really for any reason, even if you're following all the rules. So with that being said, it's still important if the uh, commissions are high enough to diversify with ads and, you know, Facebook. So I'm always doing that, honing my skills, but I do get probably 80% of my traffic from Google Organic. And do you have any concerns that certain niches are going to be taken away um, by the fact that maybe Google um, is going to compete in that area. Obviously, to a certain degree, they've, they've, they've come into other areas, maybe um, different comparison type websites. Um, do you have any concerns about certain niches over the coming year or so? Um, I think anything in your money, your life, Google's going to, you know, obviously keep cracking down on that. And you're seeing with like uh, 
certain products, like you were mentioning, uh, Google is basically giving the answer to the question in the SERP. So let's say you're doing a versus query. So this product versus this product, instead of clicking on the first organic result, Google shows you uh, basically a knowledge panel, or not a knowledge panel, but it shows the two products side by side, and then you have the option to buy right next to it. That's an ad. So people aren't even looking at organic for stuff like that. So in that sense, yeah, if Google keeps trending towards keeping people on Google, um, it could be a little bit of an issue. Okay. But um, no, that's always the case. So, so I'm just looking at the, um, the, the chat here and I'm, I'm just wishing that I probably hadn't looked at it actually. I'm not going to be sharing all the messages as part of that. But uh, that's thanks to Craig. <laughs> uh, Jen, <laughs> Jenny, what, what are your thoughts about driving traffic to niche sites? Because um, I, I, you hear that, you know, several years ago, Google started clamping down on, on thin affiliate sites without much added value, without much content. Um, how can you actually ensure that um, you're going to get consistent rankings over the long term in Google to your affiliate niche sites? I think um, the one thing that is kind of my pet peeve that I kind of keep telling clients and keep screaming from the rooftops about kind of thing is not uh, not just thinking about the SEO side, because what I find a lot of the time is um, when I kind of review a site or someone asks us to audit it, you'll see that, you know, um, someone's built a site with so much focus on keywords and, and, and ranking in Google that they haven't thought about anything else. So when you go to the website, it, it's rubbish, <laughs> to be frank, you know, and it, there's no kind of quality there. There's no, especially when, I mean, like Julie was saying about your money, your life sites, there's no about section, there's no social media, there's nothing like this. And I find it quite strange that a lot of the time, even though essentially it's a business, people don't think about an affiliate website in the same way they would think about in any other business in terms of making sure that the site itself is, you know, user friendly and thinking about user experience and conversion rate optimization. And you find that so much with um, with affiliate niche sites. And I think, you know, going back years, it was it was kind of easy to just throw up a really, you know, a skeleton site and and rank. And that wasn't a big problem. But the the you know the further we we'll go forward especially with the way google's going now is user experience is playing a huge part so i think you really have to think about those kind of things um because it's it's going to make a massive difference and like i say even things like you know um having uh full about sections and making sure you've got social media that you're driving traffic through as well and things like that i think that's hugely important Okay, so I love that. So in essence, you're creating a, a proper brand for your affiliate niche sites. Yeah. You're, you've got an about section about that brand and your, your social handlers, you say, and you're, I guess you're sharing decent quality content on social media all the time. Um, so, so what kind of additional content should you be sharing on a regular basis? I mean, do you actually create original videos, for example, for your affiliate sites? Yeah, we do um, a lot of different things with obviously different clients. One thing that we do is standard um, for all of our content because the content is probably our main service. It probably always will be. Um, but we create custom infographics with every single piece of content. So then obviously they're easily shared across social media and they pick up, you know, a lot um, of Google traffic just from the image itself and making sure that we're kind of ranking that uh, infographic as well as the content. So and things like that. And obviously we've um, we've worked with clients before where uh, we've done kind of unboxing videos as well for the products and things like this. So anything you can do to build that brand, like you were saying, because obviously that's that brings a lot of trust factor as well with 
um, you know, the people who are visiting your site. And I think that's what people forget as well. When you're looking at it as an SEO, we know, you know, we can look at a site and we know exactly what's going on. But at the end of the day, we're not we're not your demographic. Your demographic is Joe Bloggs down the street or, you know, my mom or someone like this who doesn't understand how SEO works. And it's having that site that is a brand um, and, you know, looks great and is user friendly and things like this it just brings that trust factor. And that's what brings the authority. And that's what also, you know, that's boosting conversion. So uh, we see that a lot where people have done everything they need to do on the SEO side and they're ranking and they're getting that traffic, but that traffic doesn't convert. So at the end of the day, if, if you're not making any money from it, the traffic doesn't really mean that much at the end of the day. So I think that's where, especially as we go forward, and like I say, there's going to be a lot more focus on user experience and core web vitals and things like this. Um, people need to really put thought in to make sure and that the website is, you know, ready for users. Once you've got that traffic, once you're, you know, ranking in Google, once you're bringing people to the site, the site is already ready for those people to be impressed and, you know, they want to, they're happy, even if you're not with Amazon, like Craig was saying, which is a, a well-known name, if you're using other affiliate uh, partners, then yeah, the site has already got that kind of trust and authority that's going to help those conversions, basically. And you touched on infographics as well there, Jenny. Um, do you have... Um other goals for your infographics um, apart from improving your user experience i'm thinking about um, do you want to drive traffic from pinterest or google image search or other yeah. places yeah well pinterest is quite a big one for a lot of our clients um obviously especially kind of certain niches as well where you're doing things like um recipes uh, if you're doing maybe in the grill niche or something like this where you can make a great infographic to go along with the recipe and it's really easy to absorb and they you know they do really really well on social media especially on platforms like pinterest Brilliant. Okay, I'm just leading a, a reading another comment from Amon there saying trust and reassurance are critical factors when you're not a leading brand. Doubts and uncertainties that make people make people favour known big brands for safety. Uh, people need to be relaxed uh, to try a new brand or product. Um, Julie, um, what about um, other ways of driving traffic yourself? Um, are, are you a fan of um, creating original video content? Do you have other ways of um, driving traffic? Uh, not so much video. I have had some success with uh, doing some quizzes. So let's say you get somebody that comes from some sort of research-based term. So they have a problem, you know, that they want to solve. They're not necessarily aware that they need a product to solve that. So instead of, you know, throwing a product in their face in, as part of a blog post, you can essentially drop a quiz in there to help them match with the product. And now that does two things. One, that turns a research-based a visitor into somebody who would potentially buy and it makes them feel a little warm and fuzzy like they've been matched with a the product they're not just given a selection of five they've answered a couple questions this feels personal to them so it's a good way to build trust when you're not a big brand um, is using quizzes and stuff like that and then also building email lists as well yeah, I love that. Um, I, I love your quizzes idea, actually. Um, I think Naked Wines do um, a, a great example of that in the UK. They do a Twitter campaign uh, where they drive people towards a, a quiz. Um, how much mm -hmm. does a typical wine cost in the supermarket? How much do you think um, uh, actually is profit and how much goes into packaging? And um, obviously they, they, they do an offer at the end of it, but it, it gets people um, immersed in the, in the, in the whole um, conversation uh, about why it's important maybe to be, to be spending a little bit more money on 
wine. Um, yeah, and, and using Sorry. wine as an example, like if somebody wanted to buy wine for a present, they don't necessarily know what type of wine somebody may like. They could take a quiz and answer questions. You know, I generally like something sweeter and then they could get actually paired with a product. Yeah, and I guess chatbots would be a great way of doing that as well. Yeah, yeah, you can do it with chatbots. Um, what about yourself, Craig? What are some new and interesting ways to develop, uh, to, to drive traffic from your perspective? Um, I think um, pretty much what Jenny said, like I, I see a lot of people who have affiliate websites and they're crappy, they don't have social media, they don't have a proper persona, if you like, behind that. And, uh, you know, I think people need to start treating these websites like real businesses. The way I see it is if you invest money in a digital asset, it's the same way as buying a property. Are you going, going to go in and use some, you know, two pound tin of paint to paint the house absolutely not if you're going to be selling that to someone why would you do the same with a website you know people don't treat these websites with any great deal of respect and i think for me just solely relying on uh organic traffic is, is hard because then it's just going to be it, it's just not good and i've been playing around a lot with click-through rate manipulation over the last year and i've done a lot of videos and a lot of talks on it and that stuff um can you know your whole marketing process using your mailing list using push notifications paid facebook traffic pinterest anywhere you can drive traffic to onto your affiliate website is always going to help your seo anyway because of those click-through rates and engagement and a lot of people don't actually utilize their assets properly like using your your push notifications to drive more traffic like using your email um, marketing list to build more traffic half of these guys don't even have you know they're not even trying to grab emails from people and i think email marketing is is one of those things that uh, uh, half of the people out there think it's dead or, or worthless or whatever I, you know i get so much value from building just email campaigns alone so trying to drive traffic in from a whole bunch of different avenues is the smart way to do it. Um, you know, I go over and above that as well and also use micro workers and everything else because you're doing your SEO, you're putting your content out, you're building links to it, you're getting to position six, but then it really does come down to, it's not more content, not more links. You do want to um, get some click-through rate and engagement to push yourself into the top three positions. And once you're there, organically, you should stick there because you're going to be getting the the bulk of all the traffic anyway but there's no point in having a crappy website and going to all of that length and then you've you know it's just not you've not got social media you're not claiming emails you're not you know you don't have push notifications set up it's just you've got to do everything in in sequence um and keep and then start retargeting people and everything you know people don't even have facebook pixels in their website and stuff like that which is just madness yeah absolutely i, I mean you're all talking about um, some great marketing ideas and um some some conventional brand-led marketing ideas i think many people um perhaps have a wrong perception about affiliate marketing that you, you have to be a little bit gray or black can't um, to be super successful at affiliate marketing. Is, is that kind of perception fair in any way? I mean, Can I think SEO is, sorry, I were you talking to Craig or just- I, I, I thought I'd leave that question hanging just to see who wanted to <laughs> answer that one. I think in like white hat SEO, it's, it's impossible if you're not a big brand, everybody's gotta be a little bit gray now, how gray or how black you go, you know, that's just dependent on technique and you know, what kind of risk you're willing to take. Um, but I don't think you can really compare 
compete nowadays without some sort of manipulation. And even, you know, even just adding a title tag that is based on keyword research, technically, you know, you're trying to game the system just by doing that. So is there any type of manipulation that you'd particularly recommend? Uh, well, I know Craig does a little bit with the, uh, what you're saying, the click-through rate manipulation. Um, I don't know a whole lot about that. I know that it's, you have to have a pretty good scale and you've got to be fairly consistent with it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can use, as I say, you can use paid. You want to mix all of that up though. You don't want to be just using bots or, or kind yeah. of fake traffic or anything. I think using paid, using your emails, using your push notifications, maybe adding in some micro workers just, you know, for, for, you know, a variety of different clicks and stuff like that. Um, and, and you can use tools like CTR Booster um, as a bot just with residential rotating proxies just to, to have a nice mix um, of CTR going on. Jenny, do you have any thoughts on using bots, using tools to, to try and, um, I guess, in, enhance the, the, the rankings you're affiliating your sites? Well, I think essentially um, for me, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of tools. Um, and it's something that I find that a lot of, um, especially because we work with a lot of new people, a lot of people don't invest in. And actually, it's one of the best things I think you can do is in in any way, not even essentially for manipulation, but even just, you know, um, things like keeping on top of the SEO, which you see all of the time that, you know, the most basic of things are not being done because someone doesn't have something as simple as Ahrefs to run and audit and make sure they're keeping up with that stuff. And I just think that, um, you know, especially like Julie was saying, like it's it's so difficult, especially if you want to be white hat. Um, and the, the market now is getting so saturated. You just, you have to think of everything and you have to stay on top of everything. And so, I mean, certainly for me, um, tools is one of the best way to do that. I'll have every tool that's going, I'll give it a try, <laughs> basically to see, you know, where it can save you time, how it can help you um, in Way that it's is gonna it's gonna make a difference really so jenny you talk about tools and staying on top of things how do you actually ensure you're staying on top of um ensuring that you're in the best possible affiliate niche market and and, and identify new opportunities as they as they come up i think one one thing that we try to recommend um for people is which sounds kind of odd but we try to think long term while staying flexible so we find that um a lot of people well, you know, you buy a domain before they've even kind of done any form of keyword research or anything, they even say that on niche research to see whether that niche is even worth pursuing, whether it's, you know, it is something that's going to um, be worthwhile long term. Um, so that's something that, you know, again, what Craig was saying, not thinking about it like any other business. You know, if you are if you are starting any other business, you do a business plan, for example. So, you know, doing something like that, like a huge batch of keyword research to make sure that you've got those opportunities, not only, for example, if you think you're going to start out with Amazon, you've got enough uh, money keywords to kind of keep you going as to whether there's opportunities to diversify um, and things like this, while obviously remaining flexible all the time because, you know, like Julie said earlier, look at this past year, how things have completely changed um, just with COVID. We've seen niches completely disappear off the face of the earth so you've got to you've you've got to kind of have that plan but also um like i say keep on top of things in terms of staying flexible keep up to date with what's going on um because i find that a lot as well that a lot of people have blinkers and they kind of 
decide they're going to go ahead with this niche before they've looked at anything. They do a first batch of keyword research and they never look at it again. Um, so it's just it, it's kind of taking it from both sides, if you like, to to make sure that you you are going to be in the best position possible and um, that you've got not only the opportunity to kind of di diversify um, if you need to, but also having that awareness of what's going on around you at the time to know as and when to do that if necessary. Craig, how do you go about identifying new niche opportunities? <laughs> I'm asked this all the time. It's normally stolen from someone else. <laughs> I'll hear someone talking about something and I'm like, Man, I quite like that, but uh, you know, I'm not the most creative thinker in the world, and uh, it's it's normally stolen. If I'm honest, you just hear someone say something, it just clicks in your head. You're like, "Oh, I'll go into same rush and I'll just see what the search is," and you're like, "Whoa, no idea that you know this peculiar thing has so much search." So yeah, normally just stealing from people or just analyzing competition or whatever um and i'm like yeah i quite fancy that so yeah it's always stealing what about yourself julie any thoughts on how best to come up with a new niche just being open-minded so i guess stealing is you know i don't i can't say i've done that but you, you do get inspiration from other people so i can't say you know That's the I've one. Seen inspiration yeah <laughs> <laughs> so let's say you're on uh, commission junction or share, share sale or something like that you just go in there with an open mind so you have something that you know you may not want to get into so personally i stay out of your money your life um just because if i'm not an expert in something um you're going to be spending a lot more money on content for somebody who is an expert um and niches like that so outside of that just going into basically those platforms with an open mind and seeing what's there I do that probably once a month just kind of scanning seeing what uh, offers are available and then if there's a good offer then you start the keyword research process what about seasonality, Julie? Uh, are you in any markets that are, are highly um, kind of f fluctuated based upon seasonality? And how do you plan around that, if so? Um, not really. I was in the outdoor niche previously, um, but it was a really, really small site and it was my first big site. So I didn't really have, you know, much thought going into it. But if you're doing seasonality, that's definitely something you have to think about and diversify because like outdoor, for example, winter months, I'm sure you're selling, you know, a lot less surfboards or whatever it is. Um, so in that regard, if you know that your seasonality uh, type of niche, just get more diversified. Jenny, are you involved in any seasonal industries? Yeah, not so much anymore. Um, like same like Judy, we did a lot of outdoors uh, camping, this kind of thing, which uh, kind of went downhill with COVID a little bit. So, um, but with with those kind of niches, a lot of the time, uh, our clients tend to you know focus on. Um, building their money content in the kind of in the quiet time so then obviously once uh, people are back to buy and they've already got you know they've they've used that kind of budget to get all that content ready there um so it's ready to go and then kind of uh through the rest of the season just kind of uh fill it with you know informational content and and other other areas like that what about yourself craig are you involved in any industries that might take advantage of things like black friday and I sell a lot of courses in Black Friday, so um, personally, yes. Um, but I think uh, seasonal niches, I've also been caught out in the golfing niche. Um, I mentioned the golf site earlier, and uh, and that was really good from probably around about March till October. Um, and there is no, you, you just have to have more money websites if you want to keep earning money. Um, mm -hmm. I, 
and you can obviously double down on your content and whatnot um, in the downtime. But what I would say is try, if possible, to stay clear of seasonal niches unless you're really going to be making millions of bucks in that six month gap. Um, you know, if it's just going to be a kind of project where you're going to be earning, you know, four or five k a month, um, you probably want to avoid those seasonal niches because, yeah, it's just not good. Superb. Okay. Um, so we're actually coming to the end of this episode, but um, just before we get there, um, I'm going to ask you all two questions and actually give you the choice of answering one of them over the other one. Um, so one question is, how will affiliate marketing change over the coming few years? So you can either answer that one or you can leave one affiliate marketing tip that you, you haven't shared yet, but you want to share with the audience. Um, and then after you answer your question, I'll just ask you to share your, your website or your best social handle for people to say hello to you online. So let, let's go to Julie first. Um, Julie, which question would you like to, to answer? Is, is it how will affiliate marketing change over the next few years? Or what's your, uh, your, your affiliate marketing tip that you'd like to share that you haven't shared yet? Um, I think affiliate, I'll, I'll go with the uh, how it's going to change. I think it's going to continue trending more towards quality. And if there is a good niche and somebody, you know, with a lot of money to spend discovers that um, potentially they could buy up a bunch of websites and completely dominate. So I think you're going to have uh, certain niches that are going to be more and more impossible to get into. Um, not even just your money, your life, but just anything with, you know, 25% commission. You have somebody with a lot of money. They can build 15 websites and just dominate. Um, and one tip. Uh, Buy links, I guess, <laughs> and be willing to spend money because <laughs> links aren't free. Even if you're building them yourself, if somebody's going to offer you a $20 link, like it's going to be crap. So you need to be able to invest in that. I get so many people who are like, how do I get links for free? And it's like, it's it's not possible nowadays. So just come to terms with that. <laughs> and um, what's the best website where people can get hold of you? And what's the best social handle that you want people to say hi in? Uh, so I just got on Twitter. It took me <laughs> a long time. So uh, Julie Adams SEO is my Twitter and then Serp Decoder is my website. Superb. Thanks for joining us today, Julie. Um, so let's move on to Jenny. Jenny, um, which question do you want to answer? I think um, I'll probably go with uh, how things are going to change. And I think it kind of reiterates what I was saying before in terms of, um, you know, the likes of the quality of websites that's going to be the way that things go. It's it's going to be gone are the days where you can kind of throw up a half decent website and some crappy content. Um, it's just going to get as the, especially I think with the situation we're in now where, you know, all over the world, so many people are trying to find ways to earn money online. And obviously affiliate is kind of a, an easier route to go. So just everything's getting more and more saturated. So I think obviously naturally with that anyway there's going to be huge amounts of competition so it's if you've got a, an affiliate website and yours is not at even an early website if it's not at a point where you can build a brand and you know you can compete or at least look to compete with big name quality sites then you know it's uh you'll probably kiss it goodbye to be honest so the days of registering keyword rich domains are over and you just have to focus yeah. on a brand yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, Jenny, thank you again. And um, where can people get hold of you online? What's your website and what's the best social handle to say hi? Yeah, um, you can catch me over at uh, clevertouchmarketing.com. And um, I'm still not down with the kids with Twitter, so it'll have to be LinkedIn's probably my <laughs> best one. And uh, uh, <laughs> the kids have yeah. moved on to TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm definitely not there. But uh, I'll leave that a Craig. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Jenny. Yeah, love. Okay, lovely stuff. Craig, um, what, what questions do you want to focus on yourself? 
Um, I'm going to go for a tip um, just to go against these guys just for the sheer hell of it. There's not much else I can say. Um, what I would say, obviously Jenny's saying, you know, be careful, it's a saturated market. One tip I would say that many affiliate marketers are not doing that well, um, and I see a lot of people just blindly ordering content, for example, and they'll just go, right, I want a 1,000 words. You know, they'll order 10 um, pieces of content, and they'll all be a 1,000 words long, and they'll all be, like, the best this, the best that, or whatever it's going to be. Now, what I would say is, who says that it should be a 1,000 words? There's tools out there now, like POP, Surfer, and various other bits and bobs that will tell you that the top 10 search results have on average, you know, 1800 words. So actually look at your topical clustering, look at your content, are there extra header tags you can be adding to write for a whole variation of keywords and do that stuff properly? Because although there's a lot of um, people in the market and it is saturated, which is I, I totally agree with, not everyone is doing that level of work and i think you if you do want to get in you can make sure that you go in there do your research properly do your topical clustering don't have overlapping content and all of the kind of garbage that we see because people are blindly just ordering you know 50 new articles a month and not actually doing that well with them so that's just one tip so I was spinning 200-word articles. Are you saying that's the reason it's not working for me? <laughs> Craig, thanks so much for joining us. Um, what's the best um, place for people to find out more about you online and what's the best social handle? Um, so you can find me on craigcampbellseo.com and uh, you'll probably find me on with the social handle Craig Campbell SEO on TikTok and, and, and all of that stuff. So I'll go for TikTok. You'll see me goofing around on here doing some stupid stuff so lovely okay well check out our guests on the various social handles goofing around and say hi there say you saw them on here as well um res just popped on there as well um so thanks for joining us at the the, the beginning there as well do you have any thoughts on what we've been discussing or um um <laughs> anything else no, but it's really interesting. I've worked in affiliate marketing since 2002. So, um, yeah, I've uh, come through the um, come through the, the Wild West and came out the other side. So it was interesting. I remember quite a well, know quite a lot, actually, of the, some of the, pop, the tactics that you were discussing. Lovely. Okay. Well, thanks again for um, joining us, Red. Of course, if you want to sign up for the InLinks affiliate program, you can do that over at InLinks.net. I've been your host, David Bain. You can find me producing podcasts for B2B brands over at castingcred.com. Dixon Jones will be back hosting next month uh, when we'll be answering the question, what aspects of technical SEO do big brands miss? Sign up for that over at theknowledgepanelshow.com to be part of the live audience. Thanks for being part of this one. Until next time, take care and we'll chat again soon. Bye-bye.